Good afternoon. This is the weekly wrap for Saturday, August 5th. Well, the grains took it on the chin this week with some heavy selling by funds. Corn was down 30 cents. Soybeans were down 65. These are on the new crop contracts. Kansas City down a dollar. Kansas City wheat. Chicago wheat down 70 cents. And cotton was unchanged on the week. Speculators sold 17,000 contracts of wheat for the week, putting them short 25,000. Speculators were sellers of about 9,000 contracts of corn, putting them long just 17,000. Heavy sellers of beans sold 26,000 contracts. They're long only 100,000 contracts of beans. And they bought 7,000 contracts of cotton, putting them long 36,000. Now this data was as of Wednesday. So it does not include Wednesday, Thursday, Friday's trade, uh, where we suspect they sold a lot more corn and wheat toward the end of the week. The macro picture uh, continues to hum along for the Federal Reserve. Uh, They continue to get inflation ratings, uh, data readings in that support the idea that inflation has peaked. And so they can keep their foot off the gas pedal now on rate hikes. Uh, The CPI came in on Thursday, uh, or will be coming out this week, Thursday, so we'll get more evidence on that. The jobs number for the week came in, again, very strong. Wages were up again. So the economy is doing very, very well. Unfortunately for the Fed, Fitch uh, Ratings Agency downgraded U.S. debt from AAA to AA+, citing what they say are steadily deteriorating standards of governance. And I'm guessing this is more of an indictment on the federal government and their ability, inability to get spending under control. Uh, the debt load is now $32, $33 trillion. And now that the interest rate on that is closer to 5.5%, the debt payment on our uh, servicing our debt will become one of the largest line items at well over a trillion dollars here. And so um, that spooked the market a little bit. The U.S. dollar rallied, thinking that... Uh, was a little destable for the economy. Um, for so, But briefly, the U.S. dollar poked above weekly resistance, but ultimately on Friday, it closed below it. Crude oil continues to tear higher. It's at $82 a barrel, hit 83. Uh, it is now at highs seen, not seen since last November, as the fundamental reality of how tight the global balance sheet starts to sink in. And it looks like the targets of $90 by the end of the quarter, sometime by the end of September, and $100 by the end of the year are coming into view. Demand is extraordinarily high. Uh, Supplies continue to tighten. And so this balance sheet is going to get very, very tight. The Ukraine-Russian war, uh, from a macro perspective, took a a new turn this week. Remember back on July 17th, uh, Russia ended the grain corridor. The market rallied, but immediately sold off. Uh, then Russia began bombing uh, ports, uh, ocean or ports uh, in Ukraine and Odessa, and, and took out, tried to take out about 26 different ports with attacks. And then the market rallied and immediately sold off again. Russia then began bombing inland ports along the river, uh, along the Danube River. The market rallied and immediately sold off. And now the story has taken a new turn as Ukraine is now bombing Russian facilities. And that happened on Friday. Again, the market rallied and sold off. So every one of these um, bombing incidences have uh, created a headline that the market used to sell into very aggressively. Uh, They must have a view that ultimately it's not affecting global wheat supplies. I think they're wrong. 
Uh, I think they're uh, completely misinterpreting uh, the scale of the problem here at some point in the future, but for now, uh, they're going to continue to sell these headlines. It's no doubt that this war has taken a new turn now that uh, Ukraine is on the offensive. They've declared over the weekend a half dozen ports of Russia's that they consider, consider military threats. Those ports also happen to export a lot of grain, export a lot of crude oil. And so if for some reason over the next several weeks Ukraine gets more aggressive in the bombing of Russian ports, you're going to see geopolitical risks explode higher over the next few weeks and probably at some point overrun the funds who are now really quite short wheat. Uh, India announced that they may cut import tariffs for wheat, uh, implying that they may need to buy more wheat as they grow more concerned about food security in their country. China were heavy, heavy buyers of U.S. soybeans last week. They bought 2.6 million metric tons. That is the largest sales volume uh, of U.S. beans since 2020, so almost three years now. So China's back in the buying U.S. beans. We've talked for a while now how the market has highlighted a very small export book going, you know, forward book. I think that I expressed my view that that was a bad interpretation of the data. I think it just means that China is now changing their methodology of buying beans, and we got confirmation of that this week to be more hand-to-mouth buyers. Weather in the United States has taken a turn for cooler, wetter weather for the next 10 days, and so it does look like that uh, the crops will have a good chance to finish, corn and beans, and and probably start turning some of these uh, yield models up. Uh, but it's still very hot and dry in West Texas, unfortunately. They will experience 104 to 108, 9 degree temperatures in the Seminole, Lubbock area for the next 10 days. And that will continue to dig that crop into a bigger, bigger hole down there. I think we're losing an incredible amount of dry land acres uh, as we speak. Looking at the past 30-day precip map over the United States, it shows that um, Nebraska, Missouri, Illinois got some good rains over the last 30 days, but Minnesota, Iowa, the Dakotas did not. So again, it was an issue of haves and have-nots. And so, you know, with the extraordinarily record dry May and June, slightly more normal July uh, and cooler August, it's just going to be very difficult to know what the yields are going to be until we get this crop harvested. Demand, on the other hand, continues to be very, very strong. U.S. soy crush margins exploded to $3 a bushel, so they're back toward near record high levels. Remember, soy crush domestically is 53% of U.S. demand. Exports uh, for uh, soybeans have picked up dramatically, as highlighted earlier. Uh, We are more competitive to China October forward. Uh, So we will dominate the export market, Ak, Nov, Dis, Jan, maybe into partially February. We will also dominate the crush market. So soybeans profile for demand looks very powerful October forward. Ethanol margins for corn continue to be very, very profitable. That's 46% of U.S. corn demand. Feed is sort of a mixed bag. We've got very good margins on hogs, great margins on beef, poor margins on dairy, and uh, break-even to slight loss margins on poultry. That's 40% of U.S. demand. Pretty mixed bag there, but we don't see contraction in feeding numbers uh, overall. Exports at 14% are way behind. That has been a feature of the market. Uh, Bearishness that the market wants to see a large forward book of corn. We're just not going to get it, especially now that Brazil has a good crop. So we're going to be non-competitive for the next several months. 
until Brazil chews through their inventory. Cotton demand has also been quite poor here the last couple weeks. We saw a large spurt going in through the early spring, late spring into early summer, um, and then uh, good export shipments, but that has tailed off dramatically here. So over the last 30 days and projected for the next 30 days, we're going to see slow sales and slow export uh, demand, physical sales, shipments. Uh, Domestic demand is 14%. Uh, exports at 86 you know so it's obviously the market is hyper focused on export demand uh, I think it's it's a relatively similar situation to cotton I think mills around the world have paid the price for this dollar dollar 50 cotton that they had to chew through the last year and a half they are finally starting to work down those inventories but they're not interested in any forward booking I expect uh, a strong spot cash market uh, October forward what is not known of course is the US crop size Technicals for corn, for the grains and cotton. Uh, corn left a gap on Monday on the way down at 525. The 200-day moving average is at 569. Uh, I still am of the opinion that $5 is the floor. We continue to kind of pull through it, but we don't stay down there very long. I think $6 is the ceiling. I really don't want to sell any corn at $5, but if we get near 6 we're, of course, going to let quite a bit more corn go. Um, and I think for those of you that have to sell corn for either cash flow purposes or for storage reasons, uh, I got to make sure we get that March call spread bought. That buys us the time we need to figure out uh, the yield, the demand, and then this, you know, hedge ourselves against this geopolitical risk. I am going to put out a video this weekend that will go talk ex- exclusively about this call spread and how it works and, and, and the intricacies of, of that spread. For soybeans, we technically uh, pulled back down to the 200-day moving average at 14.33. We closed right on it. We had a hard sell-off on Monday. We left a gap in the chart at 13.79. I'm going to assume we're going to go up and go fill that gap um, before you know if before we go too much further here. But remember, we did bounce hard off these lows on May 31st. November beans were at 11.30. We rallied all the way up to 1434 on July 24th. So, you know, in about two months, we, we had a, a $3 rally in beans. That gave us a nice opportunity to get a, a chunk of beans sold. Um, we're going to use that gap in the chart probably to do some more marketing, sell another 10, 15%. My opinion on beans is that the floor is still 1250. The ceiling is 15. I think the yield story is still widely unknown, uh, although it looks like it's got a chance to get a little bit better here. Uh, but I, the demand is just, it's just too powerful of a story between domestic crush for biodiesel and global uh, export demand. For cotton, we are at the 50-day, the 50, the 100, the 200-day moving average. All are narrowed in at 81.50. And we broke above that, and that's given the funds a powerful buy signal. They have uh, gone in and bought quite a bit of cotton now. They're long, uh, but there just hasn't been the demand to backstop it. And, and I think they're, you know, wavering a little bit on how long they want to be. But for now, I think 81 cents is the floor in U.S. cotton. 90 is the ceiling. Continue to work those offers uh, in that 90 cent area. Just below it, we've, we've got, should have orders working at 89, 89.29, 89.50 in that area to get the first 20% of our crop sold. As a whole, 
you know, I want to talk a little bit about this dynamic that has been, you know, changing these markets here, and that is the notion of managed money, algorithmic trading. Um, it is projected now that they are some 60 times the notional value of the trade, meaning there's 60 times the number of contracts that trade between managed money algorithms versus what trades in the real world. And I'm afraid that with artificial intelligence, that is only going to go higher. So there are computer programs that do nothing but read headlines and trade in milliseconds around those headlines. Those are only going to get bigger. And unfortunately for us, they only want to trade futures. They don't want to trade cash. And so what it's created, unfortunately for us, is a dynamic where um, when we're in a physically very tight market like we have been in the last two years, the volatility and how tight the grain markets have been have only been allowed to play out on the basis, through basis and through spreads. It has not played out in the futures market. You know, historically, we used to look at the market and say to ourselves as, as old school grain traders, first the basis, then the spreads, and then the board. And the board would eventually come on and reflect the tightness of the grain markets or the looseness, just depending on the market. That is no longer the case. We have spent two years fighting managed money and their view, and, and the, uh, the only way that the tightness was allowed to play out was through the basis and spreads. This has frustrated many of us who are fundamental, uh, you know, oriented analysts um, because th that has historically been our guide and has worked as a sort of the Bible of the market for the last 30 years. But when managed money has a different view on the market, that has to be respected. They have incredible power and financial ability to exert their will on this market. And it's clear that over the last year, year and a half, during this Fed rate hike cycle, they've been bearish commodities. They have not uh, embraced the tightness, the physical tightness of the crude oil market or the grain oil markets and allowed them to trade to their full potential. Um, and so, you know, for now, I, I believe that's that's been a suppression of prices that has hurt us. There are bullish fundamentals that are still very strong in the oil market, very strong in the grain markets. Uh, but I think the, the, the managed money and algorithms are going to be very slow to adopt those. The Fed rate hike cycle is coming to an end. That will help. The dollar is falling. That will help. The... Uh, the um, Crude oil is rallying. That will help. And, and now I think that the thing that may override this is the geopolitical risks of what we're seeing uh, in the, the Ukraine-Russian war. Uh, they have decided now to be far more aggressive in attacking their infrastructure. U uh, Russia has. That has led to a, a, a breakdown uh, in their capacity to ship and their ability to plant. And, and it also has led to volatility related to fuel prices, to ammonia, fertilizer prices have spiked quite a bit. Uh, and, and eventually it's going to lead to a spike in grain prices. Um, and, and at this point, you know, where do we stand? I think from a macro overall perspective, it's still just way too early to draw any conclusions about fair value for these commodities because we just don't know the yield. We're still just way too early in the process. It was way too complicated a year uh, for plantings and for June and July weather um, to draw any long-term conclusions about the balance sheets. And, and now that we've got uh, sort of the macro picture turning in our favor with some more geopolitical risks, 
that I think are elevating not only in Russia and Ukraine, but we've seen a number of governments get toppled in Africa. So there is civil unrest, and that typically is bullish for grain prices going down the road. So I just want to maintain our um, you know, uh, conservative stance here of, of marketing into rallies uh, and be patient with these markets because there just is so much information we just don't have to make a, a, an honest assessment of these fundamentals. But certainly, you know, the overall macro picture is starting to turn, I believe, in our favor. And, and I, I don't want it to be this way. But if the war escalates to brand new levels, if, if, if ports start going, getting bombed on both sides, you're going to see volatility in grains uh, similar to what we saw in early 2022. So let's just stay patient and see how that story plays out. Okay, that's the update. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. These are my opinions and not those of ADM or ADMIS.